0: Clustered conversations. Clu- 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 clustered conversations by Weka. Hello
1: and welcome to another episode of Clustered Conversations. I'm Josh
2: and I'm Bob and uh, today we are joined by Astera Labs. We got two of Ooh. our favorite people. We got Michael, who's been with us for quite a while. We've known him for a long time at, at a different function. Indeed. And Avinash, uh, who I've just met recently. So, welcome. Hello, Say hello. Hello. Introduce yourselves, guys. Who who are you?
0: Hello, uh, Michael Michael Campo. I am a product manager at Estera Labs, and my function right now is just focused on the ecosystem alliance. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I like to reach out to you folks and talk about uh, your file system and the, your data platform, and um, you know discuss you know how we can actually help each other out. Um, but yeah, as far as me, um, when my Former life, <laughs> I, was, I was more in in the actual system design. I was product manager over at Supermicro, um, working on flash systems. And yep. so that's the, the intersection with uh, with Weka, and that's how I know Bob. <laughs> just meeting Josh for the first time in person, but oh. I've known about your data platform for quite a while since since the beginning, actually. And I was working behind the scenes, and uh, awesome. yeah, it's been. Awesome uh, to observe your journey thus far to this point. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, before that, I was in infrastructure as a service, doing a lot of system integration, also touched some software as a service uh, solutions. And so, yeah, that's a little bit who I am.
2: Yep. Um, Michael was uh, well, the guy who got us access to the labs at Supermicro way back in the day and Ooh. let us test some very cool equipment. So that was a lot of fun. Awesome. And yeah. I will always appreciate it because I got to play on the Gen 4 stuff because of this guy before it ever came to market. All right,
3: And, and Avinash? Avinash. Uh, I'll go. Uh, this is Avinash Sharma. I work as a head of field application engineer for North America teams at Australia Labs. I also do a lot of system engineering performance work. Also at Astera Labs, in my past life, I spent about two decades in Silicon Valley, yeah. aging myself. A little <laughs> <later>. <laughs> but prior to Aster Labs, I was at Ampere Computing. Okay. Uh, build the feed labs team there. I enabled the product enablement for some of the early customers with yeah. the ARM CPU and data center. Nice. Uh, previously, before that, I was at Intel yeah. uh, in the sales and marketing group and. Enabling proof of concept for AI accelerators, different workload testing across mm-hmm. cloud service providers. And prior to that, I spent time with programmable technology, uh, networking switches, files, wow. uh, storage. Yeah, you've so been going up and down the stack, <laughs> haven't you? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I've been around there. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's what I do. And this is a first introduction with Weka, Uh but. Uh, played with a lot of proof of concepts on data center clusters, storage clusters, mm-hmm. uh, file systems, all sorts of computing clusters and whatnot.
2: Awesome. Sweet. So, yeah. Good uh, stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, what does Astera Labs do? I mean, I know, other than partner with us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Take
0: that. Yeah. So, we're primarily um, a silicon company. We, we build purpose built data and connectivity solutions. And I, I think the main point is to help remove bottlenecks throughout the data center Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's compute memory or networking and the way that we're doing that is you know specific you know silicon solutions for uh, cxl uh, pcie uh, as well as ethernet okay so um, our founding team and uh, our architects are part of the cxl consortium contributing members as well as on the PCIe SIG. So doing a lot of work there. And that's kind of uh, where I'm also helping is not just on the software and um, marketing, Mm -hmm. marketing, go-to-marketing enablement, Mm -hmm. but also interoperability. So working with, Mm -hmm. you know, for CXL, for example, Mm -hmm. it's a memory um, solution, right? Mm -hmm. So working with folks like obviously Intel and AMD, Mm -hmm. leveraging their new platforms that they've uh, they've announced formally with uh, Genoa mm-hmm. as well as Sapphire Rapids. And so mm-hmm. those uh, platforms, of course, support CXL 1.1. And um, yeah, so beyond that, of course, we have to work with the memory mm-hmm. vendors, the popular ones that <laughs> <of> mind, right? <laughs> Inix, yeah. You know, Samsung, um, Micron. So, yeah. Uh, so
2: we're, I guess I, I know the question, answer, but i just ask you, where have I run into your chips in the past, in, you know, in the infrastructure I'm working with today?
3: Uh, probably if you're anywhere in the cloud, uh, some of the cloud hyperscalers, they are using it to extend the reach to make their infrastructure more reliable with the endpoints, be it network or storage, or be it a GPU. So probably we are sitting in that data path, mm-hmm to make it more robust. So you probably encountered there. Also you encountered them in systems, which probably are either white boxed or they're from the ODMs. So we, we enable quick time to market using our technology because it, it just speeds up the adoption. As the gens change from three to four to five, and these problems are gonna get bigger and bigger. And So that's mm-hmm. where you'll see us uh, sometime behind the scene, inside the box. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah, when you say fixing the problems, what, what kind of problems are you guys seeing that you're, you're enabling sort of resolution?
3: Yeah, so as as PCI Express becomes a very popular and has been a very popular I.O. standard for mm-hmm. the data center in the server space, uh, as you're going from generation to generation, from Gen 3 to Gen 4 transition, the, the signals are tra- trying to travel as fast as possible as Mm -hmm. wide as possible on the networks, as well as on the motherboards and stuff. Mm -hmm. And as you're going there, the losses that are there in the system, they're becoming higher and higher as you're traveling faster, as Mm -hmm. you're trying to push the bits faster to the endpoints to improve the reliability of retransmission of the signal Mm -hmm. and fleet management of the systems as well. So those are the problems today the data center customers are feeling, seeing enterprise customers are seeing that to how to reliably operate an endpoint within host processors mm-hmm. uh, and still meet the time to market, still continue to adopt newer, faster generation drives, networks and all of the IOs.
2: And not end up with packet loss or data loss or dropped bits here and there. Or, yeah, or, or, yeah bit flips or, yeah. exactly, similar, yeah.
1: like, high signal to noise. Correct. Where you're have, yeah, exactly, having, yeah. like, significant issues and you're just getting transmissions yeah. to work, period. Like, I remember very early, right. like, PCIe, like, external networking, right, when that was first kind of becoming yeah. a thing and a concept. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was very, very challenging to get something that was stable. Correct. And oftentimes it kind of came out <laughs> to the cable, right? It, yeah. Was, yeah. it wasn't plugged in quite all the way, yeah. or it was just barely yeah. too long, or you really should have yeah. closed yeah. the door to the rack because that actually serves a purpose sometimes. <laughs> yeah. um. so, all
3: of them is true, absolutely true. Yeah. So I think as we go into generations, these things are changing.
2: Yeah, yeah. We can, come back to this is, is the importance of compute that as more data is being generated, as things are getting faster, it's keeping that flow going. Mm-hmm. And every time you mm-hmm. have to stop and retransmit or reset, mm-hmm. it slows things down and makes it longer and longer. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's terrible for the gas mileage when you stop and start again. Yeah. Roundabouts are way better.
0: <laughs> well yeah, I mean, as a system designer, you know, you mentioned me giving you access yeah. to some of our lab equipment before things came out. And, you know, at Supermicro, we, we looked at Weka as a partner and a customer. So the last thing we want was for our partner to have a bad experience as they're, you know, getting their software validated. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and yeah, a lot of people, they, they take, um, not necessarily you guys, but people take PCIe, NVMe, GPU for granted. Right. It's just supposed to work, right? <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> There's a lot of things that system designers and firmware engineers and you know motherboard designers, backplane designers, that they they look at from top to bottom, starting from you know analog to you know digital. You know what's what's the loss and you know those things can can be a moving target as workloads are applied to these systems. Mm-hmm. So thermals come to mind and things like that. Well,
2: you right. can always tell by a block dog diagram of a motherboard which, which one's made by somebody who actually uses it, and the other one is made by somebody who wants to save money for the company. <laughs> <laughs> you can absolutely tell the difference in the two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've seen a couple. Oh,
1: oh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, When you have nice, like everything's laid out really well, you've got balanced, balanced lanes mm-hmm. across everything, and then you have other ones like, well, it looks like they've, Why would you put
2: all the drives on socket one and put the network on socket two?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't you spread that out just a little bit? That's another place we see a lot of uh, good good feedback. Is when the systems are up and running in the data center, Mm. things start to kind of the link starts to get deteriorated. You start Mm -hmm. seeing performance degradation Mm -hmm. as they are running over the number of time nobody wants to take the servers down or offline, that's time lost. Exactly. So we pack in things like fleet management features as well, which is first to the Mm -hmm. industry. So what allows you to do is like, while the systems are running, you can preemptively see certain lanes going to start misbehaving. Mm -hmm. And then you can preemptively decommission the drive or start improving and training these things again. So Mm -hmm. it essentially gives you insights before the problem's gonna happen. So you can plan your shutdowns, you can plan your offline maintenance and things like that, which, which at a hardware level, at such a lower level, was not really being looked after. And I think once we started introducing and making people aware about it, yeah. they started appreciating it. Like, yeah, oh, this yeah. this is a problem that we face, and I'm glad we have some solution out there now.
2: And I think we were just talking about yeah, this but, just recently. I'm too. just
1: thinking about this in terms of when <laughs> yeah. I used to be an admin, and <laughs> like you'd have a drive in a certain <laughs> slot just constantly. Quote-unquote fail. And it's like, well, this is the fourth drive I've put in there in a week. Why is it keep failing? And it's like, oh, well, <laughs> yeah. it was actually the backplane, yeah. or it was actually something right. else. It, actually being able to diagnose that it was <laughs> yeah. an internal yeah, component right. or the actual, like, pathing yeah. that, that was the, at yeah. issue instead of the component itself, yeah. that is, that's is—that's very different. So is it, does great. it
2: report back to the BIOS? Is it reporting
3: to the, the VAR log or... So you could Bluetooth so, <laughs> in the cloud. In the cloud. So we have these telemetry features, and we have a very robust and feature-rich SDK. And these SDKs quite capable through APIs to be integrated in a BMC. Mm-hmm. And this, mm-hmm. this concept of firmware first, OS first, or both. Mm-hmm. And you can notify depending on the gravity of the problem you have. So, depending on how severe the problem is, you can have your board management controller take a reaction to what's happening out there or notify the OS and say, hey, this is something the hypervisor or the OS is going to deal with it. So, we have abstracted the complexity, what you'll have to go rifle through the logs. And now, instead, mm-hmm. that is pushed up through the APIs in the in BMC or in BIOS. So,
1: so, would that enable, like, to be actually able to identify, say, misbehaving? like dim modules in a in a more predictive, faster fashion rather than yeah. maybe like having to run mem test multiple times. All, has to, it, I only see this weird error every once in a while. So I have to like really stress out the memory in order to get there. Yeah. Could that help with that sort of thing? Those are always in my mind some of the yeah. more challenging like resolutions on, uh, on
3: hardware. Josh, I don't know if it was a segue to CXLM. <laughs> no, it, <laughs> it really it wasn't. I was literally like my friends like that. It's reason. a happy segue into our memory controller, but all the goodness that we have today on our PCI towers, mm-hmm. that whole telemetry fleet management feature get carried over to the memory controller as wow. as well. <laughs> Nice job, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. That was <wow. laughs> yeah. on the queue, but uh, all, all those features are part of our SDK that goes with our memory controller as well, which is the CXL. Mm-hmm. So we not only look at our PC Express or the CXL link that's between the root port and our controller, but also on the memory side and uh, data center customers and enterprise customers love RAS. So we enable all the standard RAS, but that's where we step in and do a bit more than what's out there. Is the memory training part the memory test that you mentioned to mm-hmm. ensure where the correctables errors happening and where some of them uncorrectable, which is going to be more catastrophic? And then you start profiling them and notifying these guys uh, all through the APIs. So it's much higher level of abstraction. What our guys are so you're not dealing all the way down in the plumbing. Mm-hmm. You abstract it quite at a higher level. So all those feature-rich SDKs are available as well for a memory controller. Nice, yeah.
1: nice. Yeah, that's great. These are,
2: yeah. I mean, these are like problems that we we now see because we've gone to micro components, right? Everything's kind of shrunk quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I, mean, oh, yeah. I remember the old days of the macro components. We had uh, at one of the companies I worked for that, as drives got faster and the RPMs got faster, no one thought about the vibrations that would would happen. It yeah. would cause the little latch to come undone. <laughs> Good so, old harmonics. At, yeah, yeah. At, at some point drives would just start popping out, so you have to just go by and push them in every once in a while.
1: <laughs> so I was just watching a video on YouTube from a, like a NASA when they had the the space shuttles up, and they were testing, like, well, what what's the best way for a human to interact with a computer in in space <laughs> in zero gravity? And eventually, they started using like one of the original Macintoshes where it was you know, essentially touchpad became a, this, this is the best way to do it. But they were trying like trackpads, uh, like ball mice, uh, some interesting, weird, like gyroscopic <laughs> sort of thing. Um, but what sort of dropped me on that, you know, hit the latch to eject was the member of the old Macintosh just had a, a, a mechanized ejection. Yes. Where it would actually launch it out a little bit. Well, in zero gravity, that little <laughs> launching out a little bit—it doesn't just like kind of tick it out so you can easily grab it. It launches it out; <laughs> but they would have
2: to catch it in
0: mid-space
2: <laughs> as it was flying across the shuttle. Well, now we got the problem with bits getting flipped as they're going across PCI buses through memory. Correct.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. more well, flares. Going back to like you know object storage or like hard drives and and fans causing <laughs> issues. Like, I remember. Doing, going through those things and sending data from one host to another. And, you yeah, know, the fans mattered a lot. Yeah. You know? um, and, <laughs> and the customers, they will say, hey, why why is this fan tuned down to 13.5 <laughs> k RPM? And, you know, they want to squeeze out more juice out of it. So then we had to, you know, as a system designer, you got to listen to those kind of feedback and say, oh, can, what can we do to fine tune it to squeeze more out of it? And so, um, yeah, tune it to, I think for that, particular product we fine-tuned it to like 14.9 which is kind of non-standard this again. doesn't scream like a banshee <laughs> nearly enough <laughs> I, I can tolerate standing near this this is yeah. But yeah
2: it, it's yeah it's important to get the airflow across the boxes but it's also important to make sure that it doesn't shake itself out of the streets <laughs> on, on the shelf as well yeah when you have like i think like uh, the big twin had uh, like the two power supplies and then four other fans on there, plus all the CPU fans. So you get, you know, all these different things spinning at different, <laughs> different speeds. rates, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. In different the, directions. Every single s- system SKU would have a fan that came came with it. And so a lot of <laughs> the field application engineers will say, why, why does this one have a different fan than the other one? So, well, the use mm-hmm. case is different for per, per model. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It, it, th- those little things that we don't think about when we buy something until you actually have to really yeah. look at it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad somebody does. Uh,
1: right. Yeah. yeah. I
0: mean, <laughs> happily, someone is actually looking at
2: this and paying attention. Great.
0: Yeah. And and going back yeah. to, you know, the, the actual industry challenge right now, you know, going from PCIe gen four, to gen five, it's, it's almost unavoidable to, yeah. um, oh, yeah. to require a signal conditioning solution mm-hmm. that we've, That we've developed. Mm -hmm.
2: And we're almost doubling the speed again. Just almost. and Yeah, we'll double it again in a few months as well. We're going to five to six in in the next few years.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that. The Gen 5 uh, Samsung drive is going to I think the spec was 13 gigabytes per second. (laughs) (laughs) How are you going to pull the data out of that
2: thing? That's
1: that's a lot of signaling happening very, very quickly.
2: And four of those to one 400 gig card, right? It's going to be... Unreal, I mean, yeah. the amount of data processing we have to do to get that from one point to another. Yeah, that amount amount of data right now for us that would take pretty much four Gen three systems to get to that performance, mm-hmm. and now it's going to take one one Gen exactly, 5 right? system
0: to get Mind that performance. <laughs> yeah, so that brings up a good point, and that's kind of why we wanted to come onto the podcast because you know people look at it as like a necessary, you know, critical part, but it's actually unlocking a lot of potential, right? Um, you know, the CEO of Supermicro and and AMD, they recently had they got they were interviewed by Next Platform, and they were talking about green computing. Yeah, and so if you're able to, you know, squeeze more performance out at a lower, you know, power consumption. Right. You know that that's becoming very critical for. um uh, not just our industry but for our own power grid. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> or even
2: recently we were just talking about the uh, the new, uh, new NVIDIA, the, chips. Nvidia chips, right? Yeah. That ha- there's 700 700 watts to
1: that HSM2 module on the new <laughs> H100. Yeah. And, yeah, if fed, yeah. and if you're not keeping
2: those in fed and if you're not going across that backplane yeah. from the data the data set into mm-hmm. there and out constantly mm-hmm. and cleanly, you're wasting all that power. Yeah. Right? Right.
1: And even right. with the power comes heat. Right. Right. Oh, and with the heat, as I'm sure everyone knows, this is common knowledge, of course, when electronics get hot, <laughs> they signal worse. Yeah. Right. As yeah. the temperatures go up, you have more and more issues. So I imagine that's going to necessitate even more sort of conditioning and probably what you guys would be fairly good at, right, is, is allowing a, a processor yeah. or a system to run at what would be kind, kind of considered more nominal yeah. temperature without having to have exotic cooling to keep it in a, in, in a lower, lower temperature.
0: Yeah, uh, I'd say comfortably we are paving the the path for retimer solutions, which is it's called Aries, um, which is supporting PCIe Gen 5. Um, so it's already already widely adopted. So we're pretty excited to be uh, <laughs> at the front end, tip of the spear. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah,
2: I can't wait to start playing with more Gen 5 systems.
0: Right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Once they
2: once
1: they start actually hitting the market in mass,
0: that's yeah. going to be
2: fun. Yeah, we, we're going to keep testing them until they outlows. <laughs> <laughs> until we get them in the lab. Yeah, right. still yes, I get in the we'll lab. We'll call our uh, friends. Uh, mm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How can we make this go faster? Yeah. So, I mean, uh,
2: we, we've been working with, with the Supermicro product for a while. And I know yeah. your, your retimer is in a, a couple of the one, boxes that we utilize at this point. So, um, th- that's why that very dense platform that we love the, the big twin gives us mm-hmm. so much great performance in mm-hmm. such a small footprint mm-hmm. right it, so that's been one of our favorite boxes to work with
0: yeah and the nice thing about that solution is it gives you more rack space and with more rack space you can fit you know more spindle drive storage which is probably not something you want to hear, but it can <laughs> enable that. Once you have so yeah. much throughput from their, your flash, now you can have cheap and deep storage in the same rack. Yeah. So your your dollar per terabyte, or even dollar per,
2: you know, uh, throughput. Yeah. For is us, it's a dollar per IOP or a dollar per. IOP. IOP. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We want to make sure that help the healthy customers understand that uh, you, you can get a lot more in a much more dense footprint, and you mm-hmm. don't need to have everything on flash even though we would love to put everything on Flash, but <laughs> <laughs> obviously having yeah. a giant object store is a lot easier to manage sometimes, right? Because yeah. now you can use yeah. it for multiple purposes, but especially you, you've now got a multi-petabyte system, but you're never using the entire three, four petabytes at the same time. So you know that like 100 terabytes, 500 terabytes is of the data set that you're going to be utilizing will always live in Flash when you need mm-hmm. it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just, just be careful when you're rolling those racks around full of you know 90 dense, not 90 drive, <laughs> dense rack.
2: <laughs> those sort of systems,
1: yeah, yeah. you know, when yeah. your when your rack itself is yeah. now. 3,500 plus pounds on on casters, on a raised floor design for maybe less than that. Also don't build your data center on the second floor because
2: if you put too many disks, the floor stretches the bow. Exactly, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And, and make sure your elevator is rated for whatever <laughs> you've throwing into it so you don't accidentally have six inches of, of lip that now you have to try and get your rack out of because as you were moving data centers, you had a little uh, whoopsie doodle. This has never happened to either of us. No, yeah. no, not once, not
0: once. <laughs> I, I don't cool. think that would be the problem for CXL memory though. <laughs> no, But yeah. but the problem you just described with like object storage is kind of the vision for CXL memory, right? Because today with 1.1, it's it's about expansion and then it's about sharing. And as the CXL spec and the product becomes available for support for CXL 3.0, then you'll see even more heterogeneous infrastructure. Wow. So yeah. you won't, have any bowing of the yeah. of the of the floor, but you'll have a lot more memory available that can be basically pooled and shared uh-huh. across multiple hosts without really? compromising like too actual much.
1: networked memory.
0: That's what CXL is designed to do. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Future. Like
1: at at reasonable speed, or. Like I was thinking, like, you know, my mind is immediately yeah. going straight to Ethernet and Infiniband, and then maybe vaguely kind of PCI networking where you have kind of issues with signaling and cable distance and such. Is, is CXL going to
0: I think it's too early to, to tell. I mean we have to run those tests. Um, we're really focused on delivering value today mm-hmm. through our memory expansion solution, which okay. is called Leo. So, <laughs> Astera yeah. Labs, right? We are yeah. our product names are based around like constellations. Sort of like, so. <laughs> Aries and Leo. Yeah. now <laughs> suddenly it makes sense. <laughs> um,
2: yeah. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. Next up's a big dipper. I <laughs> <laughs> hope not. <laughs>
0: you're a good thing you're not part of our marketing team.
3: <laughs> I am not a marketer. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. But That's Michael true. brings up a good point that with this whole advent of CXL, I think mm-hmm. it's just gonna unlock new architectures. At the system level also, people are gonna start thinking like quickly, it's tantalize you to think about network and I think CXL is just getting started, mm-hmm. and along with it, Labs is just getting started. And I think it actually fits yeah. in
2: the DPU model quite well, right? So can they have yeah. this the memory as yeah. a central piece that you have the DPU's around, yeah. and they can start feeding yeah. off that. Yeah. It so, gets to be an yeah. interesting yeah. model to build. Are we bringing open systems <laughs> back to like mainframe methodology here? You
1: <laughs> like, oh my god! It all comes back <laughs> to the same spot. <laughs> uh, I mean,
3: what yeah. we see from the customers to your point, like uh, all the computers surrounding either memory, or memory is trying to surround it. And today, there's just the scale out of what the CPU vendors are announcing, be it x86 or ARM guys, mm-hmm. the number of cores are just massively scaling. Oh, yes. And memory is not able to keep up with it. And if you see the workloads, be it AI or ML or mm-hmm. the traditional in memory database at object store, they all just want data as close as possible to them. And CXL is a great way, at least the Type 3 devices. That we are uh, coming up with mm-hmm. are bringing more memory closer to the CPUs or processing unit per se, mm-hmm. and CX, the Leo controller is one that just enables you to add up to two terabytes of memory uh, per controller. So you got what you got with your CPUs, and then you got this additional capability based on your CP at uh, the CXL slots to just pull in more memory. What that's going to do is just going to compete for that chassis space that mm-hmm. you got and so far what we heard from all the customers like block storage has kind of found its way and post mm-hmm. I think the first step is like hey let's pack in more memory closer and then eventually decompose memory as well out of the rack amongst the racks so i think a lot of new system architecture is going to start showing up
2: that's interesting yeah i mean
3: because it's like
2: uh, the the old joke is we only have a mainframe we just took the pieces and moved it outside Keep <laughs> the yeah. same computer just yeah. keep moving the pieces out yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> but yeah that, that's because uh, that gives you a lot more architectural freedom by taking the memory out of it now you you can spend more time yeah. as long as you have the same pathing right and no matter how fast your cpu is how many mm-hmm. gigahertz you have if you can't get the the memory mm-hmm. to yeah. move the data in and out mm-hmm. right. you yeah. have nothing yeah, yeah. there's only so much cache on those yeah. on the silicon right, right? yeah you yeah. only
1: fit physically so much I mean, so yeah. the process is going to get better and better but there's still only a couple yeah. maybe 100 you know
2: millimeter of a of a chip that you could yeah. reliably make but that cache is really designed for one or two uh, operations
3: right it's mm-hmm. not designed for the, that Yeah to process. run through yeah. an entire workload and yep. working set yeah, yeah. And, and bringing all those workloads, it's so it's going to evolve the system architectures. In our opinion, I think we've already started seeing the advent of uh, how this memory is decomposing the systems. Mm-hmm. At the same time, what other compute engines are coming out? standard general purpose compute, specialized compute, and also now you're starting to tier the memory. You're starting mm-hmm. looking at tiering memory of what traditionally used to be cash. Mm-hmm. which paid the highest dollars per mm-hmm. megabytes, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> and then now you have the gigabytes and terabytes of dry, uh, DRAM right but now you're jumping to flash and the spinners but now you're starting to insert a new tier of memory which you are or seal to DRAM so I think it unlocks <laughs> a lot of new architectures and ways for the application developers to think about how to analyze this aspect. yeah, yeah. Like it's really yeah. interesting
2: because if you have multiple tiers of memory now okay. you can even disaggregate the way you do your your minimum management, right? Some data needs yeah. to be fast, some data needs yeah. to be stored for long periods right. of time and read mm-hmm.
1: right in. I mean, eventually it, that could just turn into like turning large, you know, disaggregated, distributed namespaces <laughs> in and, and as considered as memory because the yeah. access method underlying, yeah. you know, networking, et cetera, to it is going to be maybe just just right. off of what yeah. like the normal memory speed is.
2: Well, I remember we, we used to talk about in the tens of milliseconds for operations to happen. Mm-hmm. And we talked about milliseconds. Now we're talking mm-hmm. microseconds. So we're getting down to nanoseconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I,
3: I mean, I run my tests all based on nanoseconds, and <laughs> I'm competing for the slowest one. So, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> shrunk quite a bit, and I guess it's shrinking even further. The goal's yeah, that's a signal for us at storage, we're very happy with microseconds right now. So. <laughs> yeah,
2: right.
1: <laughs> Not too long, though. It, it could reasonably be measured. Well, We're the
2: double-digit microseconds yeah. now, which is fantastic. We are, right, on, right. yeah. So yeah. We're, we're getting closer and closer
1: yeah. to nanoseconds. And that, that's only on yeah. PCI-4. With 5, yeah. it'll we'll be see. even better. Yeah.
3: My boss wouldn't be happy in double-digit nanoseconds. <laughs> 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 that
2: makes sense. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's a, it, every one of the steps, you, you introduce more latency,
3: right? The bigger yeah. the data set, the longer yeah. the latency. So, And, and the cer- certain workloads, I think, even the workloads as they become more agnostic uh, to some of them are agnostic to latencies because they are done in batches. And right. They were like, Hey, we're not real time, but there are some real time ones which are really, uh, latency sensitive. Some of them are just looking to expand the bandwidth. If you look in the HPC workloads, mm-hmm. I don't think they are gunning for the capacity that to pull the data closer, but you're just looking at how wide of a data set can I pull in, yeah. in the DRAMs. So I think a lot of new architecture on the horizons and, it's exciting for us at Astar Labs to enable those architectures, have this conversation, be part of those system designs.
2: Yeah. Well, we're happy to work so, with yeah. you guys and see where it goes in the future. It Absolutely. Does. Yeah. Memory and uh, and storage and moving data is a passion of ours and it you know makes up yeah. the faster we can get to it. <laughs> the, <laughs> the faster we yeah, the faster right. we can make our customers happy. Exactly.
1: Right. Yeah. Fantastic. Right. Cool. Sweet.
3: Well,
2: yeah. Thanks, guys, Thank for, for coming us. Oh, this is fantastic. Excellent. Yeah. yeah thanks for hosting us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah so. Thank you. All right. For uh, Cluster Conversations, I'm Bob, and I'm Josh. Thanks for coming. Talk to you. Later. <laughs>